Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. July the 22nd, we have an NBA champion. Congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks and uh, and Giannis. We are starting to get towards that trade deadline. We already had a trade in baseball right now. Nelson Cruz headed to Tampa for the Rays as they try to to go head-to-head with Mike's Red Sox down the stretch in that American League East. So baseball is heating up now. NBA is done. We're into the summer racing months. And... uh, I think the countdown is on to the NFL. Did I see that right? Is that it's like a preseason game th- in like three weeks? Is that right? Is that right? Like three or four weeks? So yeah, we're we're getting there to NFL, Mike. Yeah, man. Right now, baseball is front and center. Basketball's over. We had the big soccer tournaments that were wonderful, and those are now over. There's gonna be some shared limelight with the uh, Olympics, maybe. I guess. Um, oh, yeah, obviously that's tomorrow morning. Yeah. In the Olympics, you know, um, we're about to get rolling with that. But baseball is front and center. Of course, the NFL made a little bit of news today, changing some of the format for the rules moving forward with respect to COVID and stuff. It's funny because NFL always wants to steal whoever, uh, whatever other sport is in play, steal a little bit of their thunder. <laughs> exactly. So like, this is kind of like Red Sox, Yankees, Giants, Dodgers, we're going to be front and center around the whole sports universe showcasing our talents and the NFL comes in and has to get a word in, but you're right. This is trade season. Gino, I think the Nelson Cruz trade is huge. I don't know how that guy doesn't age, but he doesn't and he's producing and he's producing in big numbers. And, uh, the Rays have been very inconsistent with their offense. I think this provides a lot more consistency. If I am the Red Sox, now is their next next chess move. What, what do they do? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what uh, how how it's going to 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 trigger their competitors around them. I kind of wonder the same thing right now for uh, the team that I root for, who's very banged up, you know, and the Dodger team. Is that, that, is uh, that why they got uh, McKinley from the uh, from the uh, Mets? Yeah, I think they just need some bodies right now. Well, um, when they when they played last night um, and they ended up unfortunately losing that game, uh, they started a game without Mookie Betts, Corey Seager, and Justin Turner. That that was their one, two, three hitters from the team that won the World Series last year. And and that's and that's where they uh, banged up Muncie, who probably the only reason he went is because of those guys being hurt. And, and I think because he's going to get some time off any any moment now because his wife is about to have a baby so he's going to have a couple days off soon when she does he'll go be with her for a day or two so i think they were probably just saying i think i think uh, dave roberts said something like that like i know max is going to leave soon so we're just kind of taking like using him right now while we still have him and we'll give him a few days off um, well plus he's been the most consistent producer against the giants he's been oh, kind yeah. of a giants killer so yeah. they they kind of need his he's the only one that really really has been like you got to pitch around this guy when you're facing the Giants, you know? That's And that's on the uh, offensive side. We're talking about some of the holes that they would have in their lineup as far as health. That that doesn't even 
mentioned the pitching where, you know, uh, Bauer, we're just assuming is going to be done. And that was someone who they expected to be as part of their rotation. We don't have to talk about the if you think he should or shouldn't be pitching. It's just at, from a playing standpoint, it was someone you thought was going to be a pitcher. And it's not Dustin May. Same thing. Clayton Kershaw. Same thing. All of a sudden, there were three guys out of your five starters that were awesome. You know, at the very beginning of the year, that rotation that was one of the best rotations in baseball. You start the season thirteen and two. Now you only have two of those five starting uh, right currently. Kershaw will be back soon. I think they're just giving him a little more time. So I think the Dodgers. And then a lot of Dodger fans got really upset because Ken Lee uh, blew a save last night, and I think he's blown his last two. He's he's had an incredible year. So, you know, you're going to inevitably have a closer that blows a few. It stinks that it was against the Giants. I'm I'm sure as a Dodger fan that they'll be very active. So seeing someone like Cruz move a, a big impactful bat like that, he's someone that can go and absolutely win games for you. And, and he is a a proven veteran bat that is it's still even as an older player, still an excellent offensive uh, player and someone who can really, really change, uh, you know, change, change the game, like make your lineup much stronger. I think he he's a, a very nice addition for Tampa. You know, Dodgers fans really crack me up, Gito. Kenley Jans, this guy, any mistake he makes, and it's, it's, it's like Dodgers it's so, need to find a new closer. It's, Who's embar- their next it's embarrassing. Closer? This has been happening for years now, Gino. It's, it's like the guy cannot catch a break, man. Like, look, look, hey, look. Let me contrast it with your division rival just a few miles down the road, down the I-5 in San Diego. So Mark Melanson, he's having a fantastic year. He's an all-star. All his numbers, all the metrics are great. Now, this guy, he's blown a save, I think, three out of his last maybe seven, eight outings. Or three times, let's just say over the last three weeks. OK, I know that because I have them on my fantasy team. So every time I'm like getting ready to get a save and I'm like, yes, uh, no. Yep. But they love him down there. He's can having we, a great season. You can can't we, go 100 percent, guys. You, no. you can. I mean, that's just not a possibility. That's why getting the final three outs is the hardest in, in baseball. Kenley had a better ERA, FIP, ERA plus, XERA, WHIP, strikeouts per nine, strikeout percentage, uh, hits allowed per nine, home runs allowed per nine, hits allowed per nine, opponents average, uh, B war and F war than Mark Melanson. There you go. <laughs> and you know, and this was an argument, and this was uh, this was like a two week, a week a week ago. So the maybe there's a some slight you know difference in some of those numbers since because Kenley just had that blow up last night. This was a but this was well, like, Melanson uh, Melanson has a save since last week and a blown save. Yeah, so it's probably still very similar. That was when when people were debating why he made the All Star team and Kenley didn't. Um, but I mean, he this guy I think it's one of those things where. Um, you know, people always want to fire the coach or you always want to trade someone away. But I'm, I start to think a lot more recently, you got to make sure you know who you're going to go get or, or who else you're going to have to replace them. Right. There better be someone, him, her, whatever you're talking about. There better be someone there ready that you are very confident in because how many closers around the league right now? Would you just be completely confident in shutting the games down? He said Melanson was an all-star. Kenley's a top five closer. Kimbrell's had a great year. Do you completely trust him? I don't. I mean, I don't I don't trust him at, at the end of a, a playoff game any more than I do anybody else. I mean, Hader has been excellent the last few years. The Dodgers got to him 
a couple times in playoff situations. Nobody's perfect. Look, go look at Kedley. He had a bad last year, and I think he was he was a little hurt, and his his stuff really wasn't good. Every other year, he, he's been excellent. The the Red Sox got to him a couple times. He pitched like ten games in the in those playoffs. He pitched six games out of the seven against the Astros. Both of those, he had like ERAs under two throughout like both of those playoff runs. He's been like as good of a closer over the last six years as there's been in baseball. It's not even like, and, and, and I just kind of laugh when people act like he, it's an anxiety thing that people get with him that it doesn't make any sense to me. And I, I kind of laugh. It's like, what are you worried about? He's so much, he's better than everybody else. Uh, whatever the, the options they have. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I agree with you, by the way, about having the next closer in line or else, Think of yourself. Think if you're the manager and you're in the manager's shoes. You have to hand the ball to somebody. Who do you most feel comfortable with? Who's most likely to get you three outs without giving up a run or without blowing the game? And I think if you're Dave Roberts, the answer is going to be Kenley Jansen, right? Even if somebody has some good stuff, you don't know how he's going to handle the, the mental makeup of the closer's role, which Completely is agree. All, what it's all about. I mean, it's very rare that you're going to have John Wetland, an all-star closer, and then be able to say, you know what? We don't need him because we've got this kid from Panama named Mariana Rivera who we think we can put into this role, a former starter and a shortstop, into a closer role. And we think it's going to turn out really, really well. So we're going to go ahead and dismiss our all-star closer. That happened one time in history, by the way. <laughs> right? There was only one Mariana Rivera in history, and there was another guy on the other coast named Trevor Hoffman. But outside of that, you probably had 28 other teams with a revolving door around the closer position. So longevity is a near impossibility in this role. Once you've cleared five years of having yeah. consistent, consistent dominance, that really puts you into another tier, in my opinion, in my viewpoint, as a closer You've now established yourself as a bona fide, you know, closer of the decade type player. And I think we can say that about Kenley Jensen. Uh, Kenley, I guarantee if Kenley you look at the decade numbers over the last 10 years, he's probably very close to the top of the list in saves, if not the tall, uh, you know, the guy on top. I don't know. I'm just speaking at the top of my head. I'm not looking at any stats and, or anything. No. And, and, and then like the stats all complement it too. I think the, the, the problem that he has run into, and it's something that, it's as unfortunate because you know we've had a lot of conversations like this about about Kershaw too, and I think those two guys suffered the most from what happened with the Astros. Those two, and it's a real bummer because if those two, if the Dodgers just win that World Series, which they were in a Game Seven, the perception of them being guys that spit it out or like that didn't have good bit, like weren't good in the big moments. Like really wouldn't have been there at all because that was the one for both of them that series for Kershaw and for Kenley where they both had multiple chances against the Astros to kind of put them away and they couldn't and that's the one that like lives lives with them forever which is it's just really unfortunate because both of these guys have been such a huge part of what what this team has done since like 2016 um, you know Kenley had a three ERA. Through through the playoffs, he had one game where he got lit up against Washington, um, and then he was good throughout. 2017, Kenley had a 1.62 ERA 
in the playoffs um, in 13 games. He had he gave up three earned runs. He struck out 20 in 16 and two thirds innings. He had a 1.62 ERA and a 1.30 batting average against. That's in the playoffs it, w- when the Dodgers go to the World Series. So like the, that's nothing matters more than that. Uh, <laughs> that's why I laugh where people are like he doesn't do it when it matters the most. What are you talking about? He's probably when it's going to be funny because like Kershaw and Kenley in another year or two, they're going to be on like a bunch of all-time playoff leader leaderboards because they've been there so often and they've been a lot better than people kind of think they have because they've only won one time. Yeah, that's that's unbelievable really and it kind of makes me think, you know, as you were talking there about who Dave Roberts is going to give the ball to in game 1. And will Dodger fans be happy with that decision? I still think you go to Clayton Kershaw. And I think Dave Roberts does too, because I I sense that Dave Roberts has a little bit of old school in him that you don't dethrone the ace. You know, the guy that's been the ace for a decade, you just don't jerk with that. Unless there's an absolute lefty-righty type scenario that is favorable, I still think Kershaw is your number one. What about you? It's a nice problem to have. Um, I, I think, I think he still starts Kershaw as the as the number one, but I think he goes to Bueller in in like elimination game. I think that's sort of how I'm, I, I'm not if I'm not mistaken. I'm trying to figure out how it was set up last year. I think they started Bueller. Um, I, I got I can't remember, but Bueller is the guy. And and I I have no issue with Ker- I love Kershaw I'm one of Kershaw's biggest defenders I I still right now if it was Game Seven of anything and Kershaw had to go out there I'd be completely fine with it and know that he was going to give us a good effort because he's done that a lot I would I think Bueller in my opinion and I'm obviously a Dodger fan so I'm a little slanted here I think he is as good as any pitcher in a one game scenario when you need someone to go out there it's a Game Seven he has proven to be as good as anyone multiple times for the Dodgers when they've needed that. Uh, it was at Colorado a couple years ago in that g- one game 163. He did it in big back against the wall games for the Dodgers multiple times in the playoffs the last few years. Um, he's got a little bit more of a gamer in him than, uh, and it's not that Kershaw doesn't, but there's just something about Walker. You know him well too. And, and it just, I, I mean, if you tell me you want walk, you want any pitcher in the league to go pick right now, you can handpick them for that one game in the playoffs when you like to get pumped up. He he gets up for those games. He he really does. The big the big moment doesn't phase him. That's the thing that's the most impressive about him. You can put him in any moment, and he's unfazed. He's the same dude, same expression. You know, hundred percent, and doesn't matter what the outing is. It could be spring training. It could be the, you know. Clincher, it could be Game yeah. Seven of the World Series. He could be probably brought into close, you know. If he maybe absolutely. once he has some mileage on him, uh, he goes that route like John Smoltz, because he, he's got that makeup. He's got that mental makeup. Absolutely. Look, it's an embarrassment of riches. I know that term is sometimes overused in sports, but that really is the case here because the big dilemma that you have as a manager once you get to postseason is this, especially for the one game playoffs. It's do you focus more on winning today or do you set yourself up for the next game? And so we've seen it time and time again where, well, if there's no tomorrow, there's no tomorrow. 
So you pitch your best guy, but then game one of the next series, you've already like doomed yourself for the entire series, set it yeah. up for failure yeah. because now you're going to people that you wouldn't normally use. So that's a really nice problem to have where you could go Kershaw in game seven and it sets up for Bueller in game one. You're, yep. you're good. And, and what's and, what or vice versa? Go wait, Bueller in game seven. He gets you to game one and game one. You're going to start your rotation perfectly normal. That's a great, great situation to be in as a manager. You got to love that. The uh, Dodger fans, obviously, who um, always want the best, the the name that's been uh, tossed around and teased around a little bit is is Scherzer um, as a possibility, uh, as a trade. And uh, I I do think that what would be nice for the Dodgers, too, is, is, hey, look, if Kenley has three or four more bad games in a row, then... Like then you have to start looking. Is there an injury? Is there something wrong? Is like with Kenley, it, um, he's pretty, he's pretty easy to read because when he's out there, his stuff is usually either good or it's not. It, like he, he he very rarely like gets it done without good stuff. He he just doesn't. You know he's like a a kind of a power pitcher. His his ball moves really well, and when it's cutting, it's great. When he's got some movement on the fastball, he's great. And when he doesn't, he's very hittable. And and last year, his stuff was just not good, and he was trying really hard. This year, his stuff has been great all year long. From early in spring, he had just a lot of life, a lot of movement on everything. Um, and, and last night, you could kind of tell he was a little bit lackluster when he came out missing his spots and stuff. If he's like that a few more games, you know, then then obviously, new information, you reevaluate something. If he comes back out tonight, tomorrow, whenever, and he has another few games and he's fine it, it's just a little blip that everyone has throughout a year and it's, it's going to happen um even, even if he's perfect the rest of the year i still would like the dodgers to go get depth that doesn't mean i wouldn't i don't want them to go add another bullpen arm or add another uh rotation piece because then what does that do hey now all of a sudden maybe you got um kershaw uh bueller um, and maybe if you want, it'll give you a little flexibility if you feel like you can throw uh, Urias in the bullpen like he was last year for that super uh, super reliever where he would come out for three innings and he closed out the game for the Dodgers in the World Series, you know. Um, so gives him a lot of options and a lot of flexibility. Or maybe you know you, you get a starter, you move someone like that to the pen. Um, you get someone in the pen, it'll help you out and give you a little bit more depth there. I think they've always been pretty active. Uh, big moves and small moves. I expect them to go uh, to go make a few right now, especially. And maybe maybe the injuries right now are a little bit of a blessing in disguise because maybe it'll really kind of give them a kick in the butt to go. Okay, yeah, let's definitely go get go get a few pieces. So it sounds like you because you brought up Scherzer, but then you kind of migrated or gravitated towards maybe another closer is that kind of what it sounds uh, like? i don't need a, i don't need another closer just another like uh, a bullpen arm from somewhere that's the problem is everybody wants the same thing you know everybody wants everybody's looking for a high leverage arm like that uh but but what is nice is the dodgers are always in a situation where they have a little bit more to give they have well i'm going to tell you what i don't system. like uh maybe i should save it to, for after the commercial break here it's and we'll tease. resume the discussion with a, a big dodger fan Pop yeah. DiBiase as well, but uh, I will tease it by saying this: I have a strong opinion as to when teams take existing closers and put them in long relief or in high leverage situations within the same season. Let's leave it there. We'll come back. We'll talk more baseball right after this.
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown, lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back here on the Mike Abadir Show, and we have uh, our guest for today on the line with us. Mike, why don't you introduce our guest? Yeah, you know, friend of the show, most definitely, to say the least. Uh, Pop DiBiase, of course. He's a fellow Dodger fan, as Gino. And, uh, you know, Pop, we were just talking about, you know, if the Dodgers have to make any moves. We were talking about how Kenley Jensen is really an underrated closer amongst the circle of Dodger fans. They kind of give him a lot of grief, but he's really been very good for a very long period of time. Uh, you know, but the Dodgers right now are looking for depth. They got that kid from the Mets the other day. He's got a little bit of pop uh, in his bat. But where are you in terms of the Dodgers and what they need to do leading up to this trade deadline? I think they need to fill the void of Bauer, most definitely. And I gave you names on my show as well, too, Mike. I would love to see them go after Gibson from the Rangers. That would be absolutely. a great uh, move by them as well, too. That would be a great, great move because the Rangers are absolutely pathetic right now. I think they lost nine in a row. They probably scored about six runs in the last eight games. So pretty much, the you know, they're just not looking good at all. And um, so I think that it's time to clean house for them as well. Maybe you could uh, – Muscle something out of the Cubs real quick. Uh, I think maybe uh, Kyle Hendricks could be a good uh, uh, 
acquisition as well, too, because I know that the Cubs are going to be sellers right now as well. And then, you know what, another name that goes out there, and I know they don't talk about him much, but John Means from the Baltimore Orioles who threw a no-hitter this year, he would love being a Dodger because he would get that the right run support. His confidence would be up a lot more. The guy got the goods, but I think that, you know, pretty much you're just stuck in Baltimore. Baltimore is an absolute trap. You know what I mean? Uh, with like other like the other last place teams in the MLB right now, and I think pitching is the key for the Dodgers. And if they were to acquire a hitter, it's just like the deal that they made the other day. Get get a guy who's like a uh, you know uh, a guy that can start and pinch hit things of that nature. Not trying to bring in a starter right now or anything like that. And I think the Dodgers, if they don't make a move. It won't be a big deal. You know what I mean? It won't be a big deal at all because the Dodgers are making a lot of moves within the farm system right now as well, too. So that's why I think that the Dodgers really are uh, still in really good shape when it comes to the roster, but they do need to fill that void with Bauer. But Goslin is over here having a little bit of a uh, rehearsal to uh, lock down that spot in the rotation, and he's done well. He's done very well. And then we got Josiah Gray as well, too, coming up. I don't know if he's going to be all the way ready, but I think he'll be better in his second start than he was in his first start. Yep. Yep. He's got some ability, right? He flashed it. It was a tough spot for him to come in there, too, um, playing against the Giants, who are the best team in, in baseball and one of your rivals. right? Uh, so not an easy place for him to, to make a, a – he um, didn't start. I think he came in the middle and tried, was kind of trying to give them the bulk that day. But uh, he, his stuff is very good. And so, yeah, I agree with you. Once they get uh, – you know, they're, they're a team that – they they can be in every conversation with the, which is nice because they have enough in their farm system they have enough to give up so if there's somebody out there that someone wants to get rid of that they're dangling for a fair price the Dodgers will be in that conversation and and I have faith in them there and I have faith that this roster right here could be fine they just have had so few games this year where everyone's been together and uh, they won't with that pitching staff with with the losses of uh, of Bauer and May so that's the one move you have to for sure go out there and make is at the very least go get one you know maybe like a number two number three ish kind of starter from somewhere else or maybe you go get like two kind of back of the end rotation guys that can sort of help just kind of eat up some innings agreed Definitely agreed. And um, I just think that the Dodgers are in great shape. I think the Giants are the ones that are going to make the splashy move here before the deadline by acquiring another hitter, something of that nature, because the Giants just don't have. But the Giants, you know, it's, 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 it's like, as Mike says weekly when we talk about the rivalry and everything like that, the Giants are doing a damn good job of just being, you know, uh, just a unit right now. So them trading for a big, big bat, something of that nature, would they want to give up something in the farm? But this is a major push as well, too. But, you know, I say they don't have any star power, but then i got to keep remembering, they have Buster Posey. Buster Posey, you know, was the premier catcher in all of baseball when they were winning championships. So, you know, it, it, it all makes sense why the Giants are really good because Buster Posey's healthy, and so the pitchers are much better than they've been over the past few years while he's been hurt. Completely agree with you. I mean, I think Buster Posey... Uh, with his resurgence, is worthy of Hall of Fame consideration. Now, I think when you look at the totality of his work, um, you know, it's not going to be like, what, what's the plateau, what are the peak numbers for the catchers? Like 350 home runs, something like that, to uh, really be right. considered a Hall of Fame catcher. But, I mean, I think when you look at it from all the way around, including how he's handled pitching staffs, 
the guy is at the very least a perennial all-star borderline hall of fame type guy um really really good hitter good leader isn't like super loud and boisterous but and uh i mean brings the most a comic presence part, to the team three-time world series champ absolutely right? man and so seven, he's, uh, mvp seven-time all-star gold glove he's won a batting title he's the rookie of the year like he's, he, you forget about him because he was kind of out of sight, out of mind for a little while. But this is a very, very decorated player. Yeah. Well, keep in mind also. Remember when the uh, catching rules kind of got revised? That was because of an injury that he dealt with. He was out for a year, and, and then he opted out of last season. So those are two years where there was zero stats put up. So I know you said out of sight, out of mind, which is 100% true, but there are actually legitimate reasons for that. It wasn't that he was, like, terrible, right? He just didn't play. So those are two seasons that uh, he can't get back, but I will definitely keep those things in consideration. Um, I don't have a Hall of Fame vote, but if I did, you know, I would. But I think bringing it back to this season overall, Poppy makes some good points um, in feeling that, the Giants have to make the move, but keep something else in mind. The Dodgers may have to make the move so that the Giants don't Just get a that block. same player. Just a block. Yeah. Just a block. And, Absolutely. Because uh, I think the Giants, to me, sort of feel like the uh, where the Red Sox are. They are teams that came into this year, really, to be honest, having no clue in hell what what was to come. I, I, I don't think either one of those teams could have expected – that right now, through 90-plus games, they'd be sitting atop their divisions and 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 looking like one of their better teams in overall and overall in baseball. And so now it's like you kind of you end up on third base here accidentally, right off the you know you don't really expect it, and all of a sudden now you got to figure out a way to score. I think both of these teams probably feel a little bit more pressure to go all in right now than they than they thought they were. They probably thought they might be sellers come you know come the trade deadline who knows maybe they'd be stacking up um you know uh, uh some picks or some young players for the future instead both of these teams they have they feel to me really similar because of how much i think they've overachieved giants even more than the red sox because the red sox yeah could have been good but i don't think mike thought they were, were going to be this good at all you know we, we you and i were projecting them as like a 80 plus wins ish you know in in like a pretty competitive uh division but I, I feel like both of them in a similar spot have to look at, at the surroundings, have to look at the lay of the land, where they are, and think we have to go make moves right now. So I want to ask right. you both about this. Uh, Pop, what do you think about the the two divisions overall? Do we have to – are we going to see a World Series from these divisions being the AL East, which has four teams above 500? Four teams. The worst of the four is four games above, 522 winning percentage, Toronto Blue Jays. And then when you look over at the NL West, you have three teams that, I mean, two of them are 600 teams. One is getting close to it, being the Padres at 56 and 42. Does the World Series have to come from these two divisions? Because how many times before have we seen it where you see like a wild card or somebody come in and, uh, and just rip their hearts out of the favorite? Is is this a good year to kind of make a prediction about the divisions enough so to say that these are like the SEC? You're going to get, you know, a championship 
team or both of them from the SEC in college like football? The prop, would you take uh, those two, uh, the winner or uh, the other four divisions? You know, what are would, right? would it be? Would you take the the winner the all field, the teams, like the field or those the two divisions? Field versus the AL East and the uh, NL West, and I would, I would take the NL. I would take that. And the only team I think right now that I feel like legitimately could be one of those teams, like you were talking about, that could maybe get hot and get um, can could get be really tough to beat in a in a series would be the Brewers because of their pitching, because of their starting pitching, kind of similar to how uh, the Nationals did it a couple years ago. You know, if you had to face a a Woodruff, uh, Cor- uh, Burns, Peralta, and those three guys all were very, very good, and you just had to face them over and over again, and then all of a sudden they bring Hader in for a couple innings here and there uh, every other game. They, they are the type of team, I think, that of, of would be the only one outside that I really feel like is a like a legitimate threat. I mean, Houston, obviously, you would think of too, but give me the give me the uh, the East and the West. I think that's a that's a fun little prop. What about you, Pop? You taking the field, or are you taking the East and the West? I think the East and the West has the has a strong chance, but I just really feel like there's a team out there in the AL that we all have to remember. They're not they're the they're the ugly redhead, but it doesn't really matter because they still won a World Series a few years back, and they're still one of the best hitting teams in the league, and that's going to be the Astros. And I think that the Astros, the way that they've been moving all year long, is to the point to where you know they're thinking about getting back to that World Series. But it does look like that it could be coming out the East. And I definitely think that the uh, champion of the National League will be coming out the West, no doubt about it, because the thing about it is you got three teams that are, are there. But I really think that I know it's not going to make Padres fans happy, but I think that they're, gonna, they're the ones that come up short because the the egos that are in the room. And, you know, when it's time to show up for the big, big game – the Padres haven't done that yet, in my opinion. I, I know they, they beat up on the Dodgers this year, but I think when you put them in a, a pressure situation, they're not that they're, they, they're, they're going to fold. And even Tatis will struggle in a situation like that like he did last year in the playoffs. And I, I think that the way that the East is working, they're beating up on each other so much that you can't keep the door open for an Astros team that's lights out at home as well, too. But all in all, though, if you want to take it as a prop, have some fun, yeah. AL uh, East, uh, NL West, let's go ahead and do it. But I think playing the field could be the smarter option as well, too, because you have to remember how good Houston is. I've seen Houston play live, and I was very, very impressed about how they go about things on both sides of the ball. And, you know, I think that, you know, you got you to gotta always remember that they're in the room. You know what I mean? That's all I'm saying. And I think the Yankees, as we talked about before, the Yankees are going to have a gallant effort, but they're going to fall short. I favor Toronto to actually finish better than the Yankees this year. And the Rays, as you know, they just made a monster move. Nelson Cruz is now a part of the Rays after a monster deal with Minnesota today. So the Rays are all in on trying to get to the World Series and win the World Series. But Boston is going to hold them off, how I feel in my opinion, because they got their manager back and they got their confidence back. But the Rays can be a killer when they get to the playoffs uh, this year as well, too. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it shakes out. But I love it. I love the way that these races are shaping up, and I love how everything is coming into play. And you know what? This is going to be funny, but don't ever forget about the Mets. The Mets could have a little miracle run like they did in 86 and 67 or whatever year they won their first title and, you know, kind of just mess up things a little bit there in the National League. So we'll see how it goes. Well, look, uh, I – Anytime you have DeGrom 
you know, you're going to be in, in, the, in, in the running, right? You're, you're going to have a chance to win that said game for sure. You know, he's probably right now the best pitcher in, in the entire big leagues, uh, in, in my opinion. But like Gino mentioned, the Brewers have like three DeGroms. So that's, that's kind of the problem with the Mets is that at, it's just like their cross-town rival, the Yankees. They each have a superb pitcher, and then after that, you don't know what you're getting. Now, there's some guys that have come up and had good seasons for the Mets, so I don't want to poo-poo on those guys. But overall, there is a reason that they are first place with, uh, you know, like 10 less wins, for example, than the Giants, who are also in first place, right? Or nine less wins than the Dodgers, you know, because the Mets have a lot of holes. And even if Lindor gets it going in the second half, et cetera, it still doesn't change the fact that they've got DeGrom, and then after that, who knows? And I, I, that's why I kind of agree with Gino. I think that the Brewers are probably the team that could make the noise in the uh, NL. And I agree with you, Pop, about the Astros. Look, let's never underestimate what it means to be a champion. So if we look at that, then we've got four teams that have championship players on their roster still, like a good core. Those are the Dodgers and the Giants, who at least have like Buster Posey and, and the heart and soul of the team is a champion. Uh, the Dodgers obviously have an entire roster of champions, basically. Uh, the Red Sox still have their championship core. And then the Astros. The Astros still with like Altuve and, and those guys who are champions. Cheaters! Um, um, yeah, well, yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, I how about this? Something we can all agree that they've been to the World Series. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. Uh, multiple that's times. stuck in my throat, that's all. Yeah, that's yeah, all. yeah. But they've been to the World Series. <laughs> Forget hoisting the trophy. They've been to the World Series a couple of times. So in their saying. minds, I know they're saying. champions. They have they're that confidence. Well, they're experienced. Play. Yeah, they're, like, they're, they're are, they feel there are teams with their nucleuses that, that they've been there. They've done that, you know. Um, and no, those feel like the ones, I think, that, that you pointed out. Yeah. But, no but what does it mean that we've gotten this far into the conversation, Gino, and pop, and we have not brought up the Chicago White Sox all the way until now. And I know we all respect them, but are we sleeping on them? Is that why they haven't been brought up at all? Well, let me go, take go ahead, pop. Just, Yeah, go ahead, Pop. Just real quick. The reason being why we're not talking about the White Sox is because the White Sox are coasting. Just think about that. You know, the Indians, they're playing as hard as they can, but they stay in the middle, right? But they're going to make a move very, very soon. They're going to make a move during the deadline as well, too. But I just really feel like the White Sox are coasting, and I don't think that they have enough this year to keep up with the top teams in the AL, to be honest with you. Because they you know, they look really good on paper. They got the wins. Everything looks really good. But I just think the nerves are a little shot when it comes to playing against the better teams because I saw them get swept by Houston when I was out there. And I was like, this is a playoff-type situation. Because at the time, the boat – both of them had the best records in the American League. They're literally tied at that point. And the Astros literally dominated each game of that series. And I said to myself that Chicago is not ready yet. And if they can make a move at the deadline that could bolster their team up somewhat, they can be in the conversation. But right now, I think that they're a team that gets into the first, to the uh, initial, uh, the divisional round, and they get bounced. They might not get swept, but they're not going to win. Yeah, I, I've always I've liked them a lot the last couple of years. I um, 
I, I I think I want to see them a little bit uh, with their full complement. They've had a lot of players in and out this year, which is actually even a little bit more impressive that they've been playing so well. Um, I think I still just need to. They're they're like the type of team that I think um, you see it more often in the NBA, where like you see teams have their growing pains. I kind of want to want to see that with them too. I want to uh, um, see them maybe have to uh, to to take down one of the uh, the big teams in the in the playoffs, maybe a uh, uh, an Astros or a Red Sox or a Yankees team, and then it'll make me feel a little bit more confident about their ability there. But yeah, I don't really have a whole lot of knocks on them. They're very well rounded as a team, and when they have their full complement, they they do fly under the radar with a team that's extremely talented and they pitch well. Yeah, no doubt about that. And, uh, you know, I think heading into this commercial break here, I'll say that I don't think you have to do anything if you're the White Sox, really, because I think you've proven to be able to win a lot of games. And I, I wouldn't mess things up because, like you said, you know, they've got a lot of guys that are going to be coming back. So even if they're playing this year for experience and next year for a title run, I probably wouldn't mess with it too much unless you can get like a utility guy. I don't know what the White Sox needs are, but I'd be inclined to say, keep your prospects, keep your stable team as is. Let's get healthy. And that'll be the equivalent of making trades, right? You get those guys back for next season, nice and healthy. Let's take a quick commercial timeout, our final commercial of the show, and uh, we'll keep the conversation going. So stay with us. We will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies radio show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel find out what's happening on the voice america talk radio network by keeping up with us on twitter you can find us at voice america trn streaming live the leader in internet talk radio VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. It's our final segment here. We're with uh, Pop DiBiase joining Mike and Gino. We were talking uh, during the break about... Uh, Red Sox, Dodgers, all sorts of different stuff. And the Dodgers have a new young player that's come up that's uh, called Tyler Rex. Uh, and the Dodgers have, in my opinion, one of the funniest 
uh, Oregon players, he's really sharp, and you you can tell like that he has a good time with it. Because any player's name that has something to do with like a movie or a song or a singer or something, he will play uh, anything related to their name. You know, with with Bueller, for example, everybody will do the Ferris Bueller do do do. But with with Tyler Rex, when he comes up, he was doing the uh, the Jurassic Park theme songs, you know, for nice. uh, every, right when he came yeah. up to bat. Because Stephanie, my girlfriend, was like, "Why is there Jurassic Park on Dodger Stadium?" And I was like, "The guy's name is Rex." So you know, every now when he makes a good play, he does the. <laughs> it's just something that you know, especially in baseball. Baseball, they're everyday nine inning games. They can get along and uh, get a little long, a little monotonous sometimes. It's just those are the kind of things that you need throughout the broadcast to kind of like uh, liven things up and, and make you laugh a little bit. So he does a really good job. Shout out over there, Dieter Rule, who, uh, uh, yeah, you can tell he does his homework. Yeah, absolutely, man. Look, the ballpark experiences, there's nothing like it at, at, a, at a good historic venue. Dodger Stadium or Fenway Park or Wrigley Field, and that just enhances it that much further, man. So, uh, gotta gotta love that. So, uh, two segments ago, Gino, I uh, I kind of teased something, which was you see a lot of teams during the trade deadline trading for closers. It, it seems like for whatever year, for whatever reason, every other year, the Pirates deal like their closer at the time you know, whether it be Melanson or whomever, and they trade him to another team, and then the other team uses him in a different role, and they don't flourish. What are you guys' thoughts about taking a closer and within the same season completely changing what he's been asked to do mid-year and now have him be the setup guy or something like that? Because in my opinion, I don't like that move, and I don't see it work out enough to believe in it. I've seen it fail miserably enough times to not believe in it. What do you think, Pop? Um, I think um, it, it, you got a good point, Mike. Um, they kind of, you know, throw the uh, chemistry off. They kind of throw the sentence of that pitcher off. That pitcher has in his mind to get one, two, three, bang, I'm out of here. Not be a situational pitcher and say, okay, come up in here and do righty, le- you know, righty, righty, uh, lefty, lefty, things like that, and try to be a specialist, you know, um, Kind of think that's what um, wasn't Joe Kelly a closer in uh, Boston as well too? Uh, or not really a closer, a middle, right? Middle reliever. More, yeah, and and I think Mike's. I think the the point too, Mike, is um like the Dodgers have had very good success um, in recent years where they've brought in former closers, but they've started the year knowing they were not the closer. Blake, yeah, Ryan, yeah, yeah. It's not Ryan. the mid year exactly, and yeah, I think that's exactly. your point. Their role, right. Brian Wilson. When he came to the Dodgers, you know, awesome for the Giants. He had two really good years where he was the setup guy for the Dodgers and he was excellent because, but they knew right off the bat, you bring him in that year. It's like, these guys are, they're sort of trying to, um, to get back to maybe being a closer somewhere else. They kind of know that, Hey, this is a great spot for me. I I can kind of have, I can have, have an audition, you know, I can show them, I can still go high leverage innings and I can come and pitch the seventh and eighth innings for a good team like the Dodgers. And then maybe next year or, or a year after, you know, I think guys like McCarthy, um, we're able to kind of do similar or like be a closer somewhere, come here and then kind of go back and do, go back somewhere else and, and, and do similar. Um, heck didn't the Dodgers even get, uh, one of the hated uh, rivals, uh, uh, Giants, um, 
a relief pitchers uh, for many years. Who's now ever since then he's closed games for Miami and he shows up all over the place. I can't. Why? Why am I forgetting his name, Mike? You know what I'm talking about. The Giants reliever who was oh, uh, Romo. Romo. Yeah, you know. So it, it it happens quite a bit. But I I think you you got something. Like I, it's worked for the Dodgers in particular when it seems like the roles are very well established. Yeah, because look, here's the thing. I think that what uh, the way managers use the closers nowadays is typically speaking because they're so um, intertwined with that role that a lot of the closers now come out for a fresh inning. Nobody on base. They just start the inning clean, right? Uh, Occasionally they'll come in, obviously, when there's a tie score, uh, maybe a runner on base to help us get to uh, extra innings or something like that. But a lot of the managers use these guys. uh, You know, we're up by two going into the ninth. You bring in your closer, game over. And so to get them now in a situation where consistently they're dealing with runners on base, uh, you know, it's it's just a different mindset. It's an entirely different mindset. And, uh, you know, I think that when you start the year, many people probably hear this and be like, what's the difference? They're pitchers. And, yeah, they, they are. But the mental makeup of a closer is a little bit different than the mental makeup of the guy who's looking to get the holds. He understands the situation you kind of know when you could maybe even sacrifice an out for a run or vice versa. There's just a lot of intricacies with each of these roles more than meets the eye. And that's one of the beautiful things about baseball is all these nuanced differences, you know? I completely agree with you. A hundred percent agree with you. And uh, we, we got to be careful though, because we're, we're getting close to uh we would have sat here that you, me and pop, if we didn't look down at the clock for three hours and not realize that we were just like shoot, shooting it, talking baseball. We only got a few more minutes left on this episode of, uh, of that's what, uh, of, of that's what she said of uh, the Mike Abadir show. But pop is going to join me tomorrow too <laughs> on a, on a live stream for, uh, for stable though. I want to do a, to give a shout out to that too. Cause pop does a really good job um, uh, with his horse and around segment. So pop is going to join me on a Friday live stream that, we do at five uh, Eastern. I think I t- I think we discussed that you're gonna jump in at like uh, around five thirty Eastern and give us some of your best plays for the day. So that should be a lot of fun. Pop, looking forward to uh, to shooting it up with you tomorrow. Also, yeah. And by the way, um, uh, very few people know the Southern California cir- circuit like Pop does. Very sharp, especially when it comes to certain barns and stuff. You know, the guy not only knows the present, but the ones that are sidelined, uh, the ones of yesteryear. Uh, kind of a historian, you know, he's kind of like you, Gina, lives right there at Santa Anita. So uh, always special to talk a little horse racing with uh, Pop DiBiase. Uh, like you said, Gina, we only have a few moments left. And I did want to get you guys' opinion on something, which is uh, the NFL made some uh, modifications to the the COVID process and what's going to happen in season. Uh, I, I, I don't want to necessarily debate you know, uh, good rules or bad rules. I kind of want to look ahead and just uh, estimate that there's a good chance that these rules will unfortunately have to come into effect. And what that means is, and what I'm referring to is, uh, there are certain situations which will give rise to a team having to forfeit a game. They're not going to reschedule these games. They're, they did not save a week 19 yep. for any kind of like do-overs or makeup games. Remember, last year we saw a lot of them it seemed like they always involved like the titans if i remember correctly uh one way or another either on the you know the infractor side or the uh the other side um 
But this year, let's kind of look in our crystal ball really quickly here. I mean, Pop, what, what do you think when your favorite team loses a game in the standings? And that's the difference between winning a division or not. Um, because NFL decided to utilize this rule. What do you, what do you think the fans are going to think? Because uh, I'm sure they're going to be loud on both sides of the equation. What say you, Pop? Um, I know that you know how I am. You know, Sundays are precious to me because that's money day to me uh, in the fall. So pretty much, um, you know, if you got a sharp spot you think that you're going to get and, uh, you know, team winds up not being able to play because of forfeit and everything, it's going to burn. It's going to hurt. But you know what? At the end of the day, I do respect where the NFL is coming from with the let's just keep it moving. We don't have time to play a game on a Tuesday. We don't have time to play a game on a Wednesday. Let's just go ahead and keep it moving. These teams already know what the deal is. You need to go get vaccinated like they're asking them to do. And you need to keep yourself safe during the week as well, too. So that means that when you guys, you know, maybe cut out the uh, dinners and everything, like the team dinners during the week or have the team dinners at the facility, all everybody can talk from different tables or something of that nature just to be on the safe side. But I think at the end of the day, though, you know, it, it is what it is. You know what I mean? And um, I think that, it's a it's it's it, it it comes at a bad time, but I do understand where they're coming from at the same time as well too. Yeah, just a couple minutes left, and I I sort of feel like pop. I think when everybody knows at the very beginning that hey, we're not going to be giving you a whole lot of leeway. Last year it was just not like it's we know exactly what we're dealing with at all. But last year we really didn't have any clue. I mean, we were not sure if they were going to get through week one, two, what what was going to really happen. So I think they were sort of kind of playing it by ear a lot more last year. This year, it's just like you said, hey, we can't get cute. We can't be playing games on Tuesday, Wednesdays, Thursdays, rescheduling everybody throughout the week, bumping games around, moving teams' buys. If you guys aren't ready to play, you're going to have to forfeit. It's unfortunate, but everybody's going to be in the same boat from the very beginning of the season. Everybody knows, so it, it doesn't seem like it's an unfair advantage for anyone. Yeah, I tend to agree with you guys. I 100% believe it's a choice if you want to get vaccinated. I believe 100% choice if the NFL wants to mandate these rules. I hope it doesn't fragment too many locker rooms because as it is, you're already having to keep the people on the left versus the people on the right. But my response pretty much is don't don't get sick. If you're not going to get vaccinated, it's up to you. Just don't get sick. Don't put yourself in stupid situations. Go to nightclubs and strip clubs and different things like that. Put yourself at risk. So that is unfortunately all the time that we've got. Excited about the NFL. Like Gino said, we're about three weeks away. We'll keep talking baseball and everything else that's relevant in sports. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Pop, for joining us. Thank you, Gino, for killing it as usual. We'll see you guys same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.